five people died and 25 others were wounded in a shooting at a Colorado gay nightclub on Saturday, the day before Transgender Remembrance Day on Sunday. The incident left the LGBTQ community in Chicago stunned and concerned over the frightening pattern of shootings targeting their spaces. Joining us now is Kristen Kaza, a producer of Slow Mo, one of Chicago's longest-running LGBTQ-centered parties. Welcome to Reset, Kristen. Hi, thanks for having me. Also with us is Mackenzie Mack, founder and CEO of MMG Earth, a black and non-binary-led research and change management firm. Hi, Mackenzie. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you to you both. Um, Kristen, many of us remember the Pulse nightclub shooting in Florida back in 2016. What went through your mind when you heard that a shooter targeted another gay nightclub over the weekend? Well, I think... You know, the feeling for a lot of us is that when one of our spaces is threatened, we, you know, to a certain degree, all feel threatened. So it has that ripple impact. And I think for people who are facilitators of of spaces, whether they're venue owners or they're producers of events like um, like we are with slow-mo, it, it can sometimes feel, we can sometimes feel really powerless because mm-hmm. we can't you know, we can't promise safety. I, I, you know, we also can't determine what is going to be safe for each person who's coming to our space. So we just remain vigilant and dedicating ourselves to creating spaces of belonging and help our community feel safe and seen and celebrated. But, you know, it's not without an act of bravery, both on mm-hmm. the people who are creating those spaces and, and the people who are walking through the doors. Yeah. Well, how about for you, Mackenzie? What, what was your reaction? I think that, I mean, of course, intense sadness, for sure. And I think um, definitely devastated. Um, I think it gets to a place where it's sad that you're not surprised. Um, And I think in part what really fuels that not being surprised is knowing that there's been, you know, an increase in the ways in which LGBTQ plus communities have been attacked and targeted, especially by right-wing groups over the past two years. So to kind of see this be manifesting in this way, of course, is is absolutely devastating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Kristen, you you mentioned the um, the party scene, um, and and in many ways, it's a it's sacred to the queer community. Yeah. Explain why it's such a vital space. Well, you know, I think these spaces are where we can see our humanity reflected, and like Mackenzie had just mentioned, when there's like this huge rise in attacks on LGBTQ people and, and places and rights. And it's just so important we have a place to go to fill our cup with joy and to build connection. And a lot of queer people are depending on this space for making their future friends and loved ones and chosen family. And, you know, it's also a place where queer and trans artists and our creative laborers are you know, getting work and building an audience that feels safe and can build a reputation in their income. Um, so, you know, they're, they're beautiful spaces and they're imperfect because they're also often in bars and clubs and, you know, basements mm-hmm. and they're at night and there's usually some substances present. So, um, you know, they're not perfect and they're, they, they're not fully inclusive, but historically they've, these kinds of spaces have always been where LGBTQ people have created and congregated. Yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned um, earlier that you know, after something like this, it's it's you can't always guarantee safety. Um, you know, does this attack change how you feel about working in that space? Well, you know, I think it's a lot of pressure, yeah. right? Um, because we want our 
community to feel a sense of safety. Um, and like I was saying, you know, we can't promise that, but I do think it's important that we really take time to be honest with ourselves of what our capacity is, what we can bring, and being honest with our community about that as well. Um, because that can, I think what is so hard with, one of the things that's really challenging with these moments is that we are being, we're feeling targeted in our most um, like vulnerably joyful moments, right? When yeah. you think you can let your ha hair down and feel good and have a good time and be yourself. And that's, you know, that's incredibly painful. Yeah. So I think for me, spending the last couple of days, as I often spend a lot of my time when I'm thinking about these spaces, which is how do we continue to make more strides to create a sense of belonging, but also equity and, and create some safety measures. I think also a lot of LGBT people are trying to think about safety measures that won't promote more violence mm -hmm. or use punitive measures. Um, but at the end of the day, I think something that's really important to point out is that we're often going into spaces that are not ours. Right. So we don't hold all the power, right? We don't own a lot of these spaces, a lot of these queer parties that happen in, you know, cities across the country. They're popping up in spaces and we're working within those confines to try and, you know, create something that is special but imperfect. So, yeah. you know, we don't necessarily all, always have all the answers or the right. tools to, you know, create a quote unquote safe space, which is why we, we don't call our space a safe yeah. space, but a, you know, a celebratory space or a brave space. Um, well, to that point, Mackenzie, I mean, there are already so few LGBTQ spaces in the city. Uh, why are violent events like this one such, such a violation to the community? I mean, I think that, you know, the answer to that is true of why it would be a violation for all communities because of the ways in which LGBTQ people have put so much commitment and integrity into creating these spaces. So when we think about Pride Month and how, you know, increasingly over the years, there have been most, more folks, whether they're, you know, in the community or not in the community, who, you know, show up to celebrate Pride Month, but I think are not, may not be as clear if they're outside of the community as to why that commemoration is happening. Mm -hmm. So if we, if we think about the Stonewall riots in 1969 and we ask, well, why, you know, why were people rioting? Um, it's because in the 1950s and 1960s in America, LGBTQIA plus people were considered to be a threat. And what came with that was a lot of state and local government surveillance, which included bars for gay people, for queer folks, for trans folks being shut down, people being arrested and being outed in major newspapers, yeah. um, right, which is like an invitation for people to incite violence um, um, to, uh, against those people and against the community as a whole. So when you think about coming from that history from 1950s, 1960s to now, and you think about all the work and effort that's been put into, um, that's been being put into not only making our communities visible, but the creating these spaces where we feel good enough and affirmed enough to be able to be in them and to celebrate who we are, um, the way in which that is targeted by an event like this, of course, is going to be a huge violation. And I think for anybody, but it adds to it when you know that you've had to work so hard just to be able to experience the basic standard level of celebration within a community. Right. Well, you know, um, expanding on that over the weekend, at least 20 people were shot in Chicago. Three of them were teenagers. One of those teenagers, a 15-year-old girl who was killed. How do we need to think about safe spaces beyond the club space? And that's a question for me? Sure, Mackenzie, yes. So I think the, the ways in which we need to think about that is um, it's it's it, it gets multi-layered. So when we think about gun violence as a whole, we have to ask ourselves, 
okay, well, what is happening at the systemic level? And that's means when we're talking about local government, state government, federal government, um, to create this, this, to create and then also to perpetuate this kind of violence within our communities. Because clearly it's not about one individual person or, 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 or about one individual city, but it really is about kind of diagnosing the problem at a systemic level where there are a number of folks in our society that do not feel as if they're deserving of safety. And then there are other folks that are a smaller group of our society who do not feel as if historically marginalized folks, historically disenfranchised and currently disenfranchised people are worthy of safety. Mm-hmm. And so that's an endemic problem that is ideological, and it's as much as it is, it is interpersonal, institutional, individual, that actually needs to be tackled for us to really think about why gun violence happens and why it continues to happen um, in this way, in such a devastating way, but also why it continues to happen in a way where a number of folks now are kind of looking the other way or kind of see it as being commonplace, and really it, each and every time that it happens, yeah. it is a tragedy. Well, as we wrap up here, I want to uh, pose this question to you both. Um, what's your message to people who might be listening right now who feel scared, scared by this news uh, and scared that places, whether it's a, a club or a park or a school um, that are supposed to be safe, might not always be safe? Um, and Kristen, we'll start with you. I think first and foremost is you are valuable, you're important, your joy and happiness and safety matter. I think, you know, sometimes we have to dial back to that, that we are worthy of experiencing joy and affirmation and community. And we're worthy more than that. I think Mackenzie made such an important point to say, like, mm-hmm. this is baseline, right? Yeah. Um, and that, um, you know, we can find ourselves sort of in this news cycle, and then the news cycle goes away. But this is a, you know, this is a continuing problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the, the the message of like really that affirmation that we are worthy of these spaces and communing and connecting with each other. Um, and I think softness is really important in these times because it can feel yeah. so painful and harsh and for people to give themselves the time that they need to, you know, fill their own cup and and to also reach out when you need support or yeah. you need help so you're not feeling alone. Because I think especially when you're thinking about especially spaces like Colorado Springs where there isn't maybe as much of a diverse abundance of opportunity to connect with other community, mm-hmm. you can just feel pushed further into isolation. So for folks to know that they're they're not alone. Yeah. Mackenzie, I'll give you the final word here. So I'll say that, you know, we think about right-wing extremism and the way in which it's targeting LGBTQIA plus communities. Um, it is important to keep in mind that one of the main goals of that is to have us believe that somehow we're worthy of violence or that we're deserving of that or that something is inherently bad or wrong about us. And so just echoing what Kristen shared, it's important to keep in mind that this really is not about us and our communities, right? It's about um, the ways in which we live in in a society that has been founded on a very white supremacist rhetoric that is about making us feel as if we're we're deserving of that kind of harm when we're not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think really looking out, looking for those spaces where we can experience healing is important, um, especially those spaces where we, you know, not only have found to be safe for us to celebrate, but also spaces that are for us to, to really heal and, and to love and, you know, acknowledge one another. Yeah. Well, we'll be continuing the conversation later this week as we learn more about Saturday's deadly attack. Mackenzie Mack is the founder and CEO of MMG Earth, and also Kristen Kaza is a producer at Slomo. Thank you to you both for joining.